Hello, welcome to Feed, Play, Love, the bite-sized podcast for parents. I'm Siobhan Hunt. This is a show all about parenting. I speak to experts and carers about everything from fussy eating, toddler behavior, sleep, and more. Most parents probably expect their child to be toilet trained by the time they go to school. You may expect your child to be toilet trained while they're in preschool. But what age is the right age to start? And what happens if they seem the last child in their peer group to be using the toilet? Monica Ferry is a toilet training expert and she's got some ideas on how to help your child use the toilet. Hi, Monica. How are you? Hi, Chef. I'm really good. Thank you. Is there an ideal time to teach your child how to use the toilet? Or I should say, is there an ideal age? Well, there is according to the research, and I'm sure it's going to horrify some of the parents out there because it's actually younger than uh, than we generally think it is or that we are all that we are training now. So generationally, we've got older and older, or we've, our children have got older and older when we've commenced toilet training. But all the research across the globe suggests, that the time to toilet train is between 19 and 24 months. Or that's the time to start between 19 and 24 months for girls and two years and two and a half for boys. Now, I am one of those parents is a, that's a little bit aghast at that because I remember <laughs> with, with trying with my children and just thinking, especially with my son, and especially and then thinking – Oh, right. Well, actually, had I left it, I think they would have just got it. Is is that how we've ended up toilet training our children older? Because we thought if we left it longer, they would just cognitively be able to get the process a bit better. I think there is a, a misconception that says it's easier if if the child is older. And one of the reasons why it's not is because of the developmental milestones that a child is passing through. So when between two, two and three, a child is is developing as, as a team player. They're actually developing learning to share and they're, they're wanting to belong and they're very keen to fit in. Three-year-olds, their developmental milestones are about autonomy and they're about control, and they're about independence. So it's it's a hugely different um, mindset. The other thing that's happening for a three-year-old that's not happening for a two-year-old is their imagination is really starting to fire. So a a two-year-old generally won't have fear around the toilet like a three-year-old will have, and that's because their imagination is saying, Wow, that's a huge big hole, and what could come out of there? And oh, <laughs> <you know. laughs> so yeah, earlier earlier is is better. Do you often see older children in your practice who just weren't getting it, and it was delayed? I'm just wondering if there are children who are older that still need to be toilet trained. What might be behind that? We definitely see more older children than younger children. And increasingly so, we are seeing four-and-a-half-year-olds. And that has has developed over and got later over the last few years. And I, I imagine it's quite complex why you're seeing children that age. But is there a general rule to why they're 
coming to you at that age? Because, again, I mean, four and a half, kids could be starting school in six months, which must yeah. be making parents very anxious. They don't want to send their kids to school if they're not toilet trained. Has there been any kind of consistent theme behind these older kids? So, so one thing that is really consistent is that it has become, the fact that the child isn't toilet trained has actually become a whole family, whole encompassing problem. Mm. And and we can have a consultation where at a consultation there's mum, there's dad, and they'll bring the child, but then there'll be both sets of grandparents. There oh, might be an auntie. And, and you've got this like four-year-old whose ears are fully turned on and the whole family is talking about them toilet being toilet trained and how it's not happening. And, and it becomes too all about you're not doing this and you – um, have had an accident and you need to pay more attention and you need so so for a child it's quite a confronting problem for them as well because our language can very much become blame focused and there aren't too many children that are doing it on purpose yeah I wouldn't that, imagine. that's very rare that that a child is doing it for attention or they or it's certainly in our experience that's not what's going on could there be i mean i imagine there are physiological things that could be happening that prevent a child from being comfortable with toilet training is that something that you've seen in your clinic one of the biggest issues in toilet training is constipation so it can delay definitely toilet training because a child that is constipated will experience pain in trying to pass a poo and from that they will develop a fear around the toilet, around what if I need to go, it's going to hurt. And the largest percentage of or the reason why kids get constipated is because they hold on. It's not a, a complex physiological problem in most cases, it's functional. It's because it hurt once and they don't want to go back there. And that then compounds the problem because they fill up with poo. The poo becomes, it becomes um, rigid and heavy and hard to push out. And so the child just keeps holding. And that delays them then wanting to go anywhere near the toilet. And then if you've got several generations of family members telling them they're not trying hard enough, I imagine that makes it even harder for them to relax and be able to pass a movement. And it needs to be remembered too that it's actually us who wants to change the geography. It's not the child. The child doesn't wake up one day and think, well, this pooing in my nappy doesn't doesn't cut it anymore. I'd like, I'd like to change it to the toilet. But it, it's us that that makes a decision to say, okay, now I'm going to shift the geography. Everything else stays the same. It's only the geography we want to change. But the child has got no clue as to why that's important and they don't really care. That That's why for some kids it's quite easy because it's the same action, it's just somewhere else. Yeah. And so... How do you approach it when it's that situation, like an older child, they're more um, cognizant, I guess, of the potential shame around not being able to use the toilet, 
they've got their peer pressure, they've got their parents' pressure, and then their body is probably hurting a lot. You can get very sore tummy if you're constipated. You sure can, yeah. How do you help those children? So if, if the problem is constipation, that's the problem you need to solve first. So forget the toilet training, deal with the constipation. And for that, you should start with a GP. Because mm. what the GP will do is just check to, or, or a paediatrician, check to see whether that child's abdomen is, is full of poo, like how, how backed up are they? Because that needs to be dealt with. And they'll deal with that with laxatives. But mm. the laxatives they use are stool softeners. They're not, so they, they actually use softeners that draw water into the poo and make it really slippery rather than act on the bowel and contract because that also hurts. Yeah. So we want a big clean out with stool softeners and then we want a program of sitting. So you really only need to see the GP to make sure that that's, that's what's wrong and how how impacted is that bowel? Then we're going to instigate a program of sitting because to poo, people need to relax. So we actually need to have a child sitting on the toilet no more than five minutes. And most kids poo half an hour. They'll either have a routine where they poo the same time every day or half an hour after a hot drink or a meal. So we would try sit them on half an hour after breakfast half an hour after lunch half an hour after dinner for five minutes and encourage them just to sit there for a maximum of five minutes they may not do anything but we ne- that's the place we need to start is a level of comfort around the toilet I know you mentioned there that you often see kids who are about four and a half that haven't been toilet trained Do you differentiate between day training and night training? I know when I was doing that with my kids, we did the daytime toilet training and then we left night training for a little bit after that. And actually for my son, I think it was quite late. I think he was um, only free from free, (laughs) liberated from his nappies. Sometimes it feels like that, doesn't it? (laughs) I think I was liberated from his nappies. Um, I think it was around four and a half, five. I mean, he started school at six, but he was definitely later than my daughter. But still, we did the daytime toilet training first and then we moved to the nighttime toilet training. Is that something that you would recommend or do you do it differently? Well, actually, nighttime training is a huge fallacy. You can't actually train children to be dry no. at night. <laughs> um, that was part of the problem, Monica. <laughs> so we would always we would always train during the day. So we would yeah. do that, and we would not worry about night training for, even though that term is a fallacy. What the reason why we don't wet the bed at night is because we are all of us genetically programmed at some age for our brain to start triggering the release of a hormone, which when when our bladder's full at night, sends a message to the brain, the brain gets the hormone released, and what that hormone does is it causes the extraction of fluid out of out of your kidneys back into your bloodstream. And that's how we keep our blood pressure and our blood volume overnight. So without that, you're producing the same amount of wee into your bladder at night as you do during the day 
you are going to wet the bed <laughs> or you're going to wake up and go to the toilet. So a light sleeper, yep. their bladder will be full. They'll wake up and they'll go to the toilet. A deep sleeper, no chance. That child's going to wet the bed and they might wet the bed twice or three times during the night. Yeah, right. So is there any particular age that tends to switch on? So 88% of children that has switched on by the age of six, so we don't get concerned about it until a child is over six unless they're worried about it. Yeah, There are things that we can do to assist if they are worried about it, but 88% of kids are going to be dry by the time they're six. There's lots of parents saying, six, what? (laughs) (laughs) Well, some kids will be dry before, dry at night before they're dry during the day. And that'll be absolutely nothing to do with any training that's taking place. It's that's how they are genetically programmed. The reason we don't know about about this a whole lot, the, the genetics of that were only discovered in 1997. Wow. So, so our parent group, if they were if they were bedwetters, they were being told they were lazy or they were it was their fault and yeah. So they they weren't being told, hang on a sec, this is nothing to do with you. Nothing to it's not your fault at all. So that's why a lot of parents are unaware that that this is actually about genetics, it's not about behavior. Oh, wow, that's incredible. Who knew that toilet training was so fascinating, Monica? I, <laughs> I feel like I feel like we could keep going. Um, but thank you so much for your time today. Oh, you're really welcome. Thank you. That's toilet training expert Monica Ferry. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you, so if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.